you don't think Valanciunas is healthy? No, I, I think he's still got he's still nursing that nagging ankle injury. Casey said after the game he isn't, but Go it's not on. a good matchup for the Go Cavs, on. right? Like Cavs isn't a good matchup for him. You know, this is, this is the tip of, tower, tip of the tower podcast where JV's ankle is injured. <laughs> Demar joined by Crystal Granitz. And uh, what you think he's you think he's injured? What is what is going on? Explain. Well, he was nursing it for a while, right? And he's looked kind of slow out there. So he just—I know he's not the most agile or uh, quickest player, but he's a little quicker than what we're seeing, man. You don't think so? I think so. He's just—I don't know. It didn't really uh, his difference in speed. I don't think is like enough that is visible to uh, maybe the naked eye. Maybe we saw like screens like of the same move <laughs> side by side. Maybe I could tell a difference, but right now it looks Even like his, his motor man. He doesn't look like he's into the game at all. Is that is that a JV thing or is it just a Cavs thing? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, the Cavs do a great job of kind of taking him out of the game, especially on the glass, with the mm-hmm. way they, they use Tristan Thompson and even Kevin Love to a certain extent. Um, they really know how to like negate what he does well. Right, so you know, like the Thompson and Thompson and Love on the boards today, they were they were making like a concerted effort to take him to take him out of the game in that aspect, where Love Love had fourteen boards and Tristan Thompson had you know fourteen as well, and they're just like all most of them were defensive rebounds. So I feel like they're just trying to they're recognizing his strength and they're just trying to negate it as as best as possible. JB, it's just a bad matchup too, man, against the Cavs. Like the way he matches up against Love and Thompson, because it's pretty much a duo. What he's going against, it doesn't fit for him. It just doesn't fit. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, I hate making it sound so simple, but it, it's just not a good matchup for him. <laughs> yeah, man. Especially when they, if you want, like the lineup with Fry at center, which is really LeBron at center. Yeah, it's LeBron is, playing every position, one to five. Right. That is now like yeah, it really is because he's playing the center on defense but then he's also the point guard on offense and he's just like but he's also the power forward because he back, he goes into that post up at yep, the same time which so. creates unbelievable spacing right it's it's pretty amazing yo the warriors have scored 110 points in the third quarter by the way i just I have to point I have to point it I out i told you they're going to get that 150 <laughs> piece this year extra crispy oh man this this we're recording this midway through the warriors game and it's like three minutes and thirty seconds left in the third, and they have a hundred and ten points, and they're just like styling on the Pacers right now. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of bad, man. Oh, I shut it off. <laughs> I thought it was it was comical to watch the first half, and I was like, this is too much. <laughs> but yeah, I back mean, Clay to- Thompson's got fifty with six forty left in the third. That yeah. was, but that, that was around when I shut it off. So <laughs> I wish somebody on the Raptors could score fifty this year. Rosen can. Yeah, you would be able to if, um, you know, if, like, I don't even know who Kyrie Irving was guarding him. <laughs> Maybe. Well, we know that'll never happen, man. Honestly, like, the Cavs are just a different beast. They have that second gear that the Raptors don't have, and it's going to be like that I don't probably think, I don't for think the rest so, of the season. I don't think so, bro. I think... So the, how, how do the I Raptors think, beat the Cavs? I think the Cavs are better than the Raptors, but it's not by, like, as it's not as significant of a margin as most people think. It's mostly a per- it's ninety nine times out of a hundred in the seven game series. 
Yeah, no, I don't think so. Probably like seventy-five times, or maybe eighty times. I think it's just a. I think it's more of a personnel issue, dude. Like JV, when they they have Kevin Love is, he's become an underrated rebounder now. He has because he used to be like, like a twenty and thirteen type of dude in Minnesota, and then it like, it fell off a cliff when he joined the Cavs. But it's not like he lost the ability to rebound. It's just like his his uh, his skill set is used differently now. His whole role changed when he came to Cleveland. Everything changed for him when he came to Cleveland. Exactly. So, you know, JV doesn't work against him, and then Thompson also negates JV. And then when they go to that uh, LeBron at center lineup, you can't use JV in your. They're trying to use Bebe, and <laughs> it's not working. I don't know. If, I don't know if Casey is not noticing that, but that, that using uh, Bebe in that fry at the center lineup is not working at all. And they have a. I think per- their best bet would be to use Patterson at the five, which we saw a little bit of tonight. They need to. I would, you know, Pat, Patterson at the five is a pretty good idea, but I would love to see some Siakam at the five in that in that in that lineup. Sorry, LeBron's going to school them. The problem isn't that they can't match up personnel wise. The problem is nobody has the personnel to match up with LeBron. <laughs> Anytime they go LeBron on the bench, it's it's a wrap. Nothing That's- they put out there can stop that right now. That's true, but it, it's least... a league-wide problem. It's not just a Raptors problem. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest here. Yeah, there's only you know a handful of teams that are even capable of like um, containing the beast of LeBron. But um, yeah, I just feel like that Siakam at the five it just gives them more sw- the switchability of this team is like really really bad, and that's a that's a system issue because they're designing the defense for them not to really switch. And uh, the Cavs' offense is, like, designed to punish that. Yeah, Tyrone Lue does a really good job of making sure the offense flows around, like, picking on your weak defender. So most of the time for the Raptors, it's picking on the guy that switches the weakest. And <laughs> it's either JV or they're going to get that uneven guard set where they're going to get, let's say, uh, Corey Joseph and Terrence Ross. They'll, just, they'll try and force them into P&R situations, and it, it always works out for them. Yeah. Or even, like, Kyle Lowry and, and Joseph, and it's just... They just they find a way to get the mismatch all the time. I yeah. think that's something that the Cavs do almost better than anybody in the NBA. I don't even think it's a, fi- a find the way. It was like Le- LeBron runs a screen and roll, like you know De- DeRozan or like Carroll guards uh, LeBron most of the time. He runs a screen and roll, and then it's basically he uses Kyrie as the screener, right? So he gets the point guard to like defend. He's the which is usually not a point guard's role <laughs> to be the secondary defender in a pick and roll, but. Um, yeah, he gets the the point guard in that scenario, and you know, depending on what the defense does, LeBron just basically like calculates the the best option. <laughs> so you know, since the since the Raptors don't switch, they um it creates this the scenario where they're like icing the pick and roll, and it just leaves Kyrie Irving open for three or whoever whoever the the roll man, which is usually the pop man in this scenario with uh whoever that person is it since they're icing it just leaves them wide open for three and uh yeah, it's generally fryer irving like you were just saying yeah and against uh, the raptors in particular and the way you stop that is just by switching it but if you switch it then you have kyle lowry on lebron the, the only thing the raptors could do offensively against that is they can try and get switch like a similar situation where you're getting a switch on kyrie irving because that would be ideal for them but yeah, that's the, not really happening too many times. And they've been employing that because when uh, in the fourth quarter they had DeMar DeRozan just bringing up the ball, 
This is when LeBron James was guarding him, and immediately they would go into like a Lowry, Lowry screen and roll, or they would use uh, whoever Kevin Love was guarding, which would usually be Pat- Patrick Patterson. They use a screen and roll there. To me, that's perfect. When they go in that little two-man game that the Raptors are doing, I mean, that's what you got to do. You kind of got to just isolate LeBron away from the play and take your chances with Kyrie or uh, Love. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, I'm happy we're seeing a little bit of ingenuity from Dwayne Casey. You know, he's, strat- he likes to, he's a good strategist, sort of. <laughs> he's became a much better in-game coach as the years have gone on. I think that's something he learned a lot under Rick Carlisle. People yeah. can say what they want about Rick Carlisle. I think he's still one of the best X's and O's tactician coaches in the game. Mm-hmm. And Casey's learned a lot from him over the years. Clearly, he, that's something he's made no secret about. Right. I think his whole in-game strategy and the way he's adapting, like, dude, this is the most small ball we've seen the Raptors play. I know we say this every podcast, but <laughs> we're seeing it more it's and more true. and more where he's just like, screw it, I'm going small ball. And it's, it's I think true. it's just a testament to how much he's, he's grown as a coach. Yeah, his, stra- his strategy has become much better. But his, man, I hate to gripe on this every time, but his lineup like he, the way he juggles the lineups, it leaves much to be desired. <laughs> especially, especially when, uh, especially with. Oh my goodness, um, this 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 uh, Golden State game keeps distracting me. Uh, yeah, it's a route. <laughs> I think that's an understatement. Yeah, the ticker like <laughs> keeps popping up here, and I was like, wow. Um, yeah, it's just like you know his strategy is great, but his lineups, man, the lineups like. I'm see, there's too much Nogueira, not enough Siakam, and there's not enough Powell. Like Powell would be great for like the switching. If I can get like a lineup with uh, Patrick Patterson at the center, and then I get like uh, Carroll, and then Powell, and then like DeRozan and Lowry, then I can pretty much switch everything, except for that LeBron screen and roll. But then you would have to double, and then you would have to like do a bunch of rotations. But having Powell in that. Mm, having Powell on the court, at least, you know, he's so spry uh, laterally that it's actually giving you that opportunity to actually get out to those shooters. I wish he would try it. I didn't, he hasn't really, he hasn't done that yet, but I have a feeling that's like a playoff, a playoff, <laughs> a playoff strategy. I think it's got to be, but I think he also fears the length that the Cavs possess too when they go in that lineup. I mean, if they go, there's so many different varieties they could go here, but anything based around Fry, Jefferson, LeBron, that's length right there. Then we've seen them mix in a variety of guys, whether it be Shumpert or sometimes Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving or J.R. Smith when he's healthy. It, it just creates so many lengthy matchups that I don't know if Norman Powell can match against some of those guys. Maybe that's what Casey's thinking, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that Powell could easily go on a J.R. Smith or, hell, even DeAndre Liggins, who we saw tonight. He's a heck of a D-League player, by the way. For Tell me how Liggins... <laughs> Tell me how Liggins was like, actually... You know, playing pretty well today, man. He wasn't, I wouldn't say he's necessarily roasting the, the Raptors, but he, he held his own. Yeah, he was contributing. I mean, I think that's a testament to, two, or a contribution of two things. Jared Smith getting hurt and Amon Shumper picking up five fouls. So <laughs> he kind of had to play well. <laughs> that's like, true. You know, opportunity arose and he took advantage of it. I don't know if it's more a matter of him being really, really good. I just think he had a good night. Yeah, well, luck is, you know, when opportunity meets preparation. <laughs> oh no I mean, doubt, no doubt. I but mean, at the same time, I don't think we're going to expect this whole uh, DeAndre Liggins, <laughs> the cap secret weapon against the Raptors, going forward. You know, <laughs> there's a thing. Um, the Raptors were, just, you know, when he was playing, he played 21 minutes today, which is, uh, I bet you he would never. If you told him that yesterday, he wouldn't believe you. Um, the, the Raptors were jumping out at him 
of the three point three point line. I don't really know if I agree with that just because you know he's like a D league type player. So he, you hey, know, he could shoot though. When he was at Kentucky, he could he could shoot. Yeah, but you, I would, you know, Casey. I guess you know he falls in with your philosophy, but you know, I would be, I would think is that he should probably try to prove it. You know, <laughs> I want. Oh, you're to, saying what the Cavs were doing with Siakam earlier. Yeah, exactly. They left him wide open. Wide on open. Anything. They didn't give a damn. And that, if you think that's not going to continue in the playoffs, um, I have a bridge to sell you, bro. Oh, I mean, come on. <laughs> that's why Patterson's got to play more. That's why in the playoffs. Playing? He's got to play 35 plus minutes against the Cavs in the playoffs. And if Patterson's going to do that, I'm probably he should probably like start this season. Like he should probably start this season. I. When I say that, he should probably start starting this season, like now, <laughs> like during the regular season. I'd be all for that. I think the bigger question here with this whole Raptors-Cavs thing, do the Raptors need a third superstar? Do they Are they in need of one more guy? I think that's a question that everybody's been asking themselves after this game because everybody's getting tired of getting beat by the Cavs, and it's not going to change because LeBron James is still there. So do you get a third guy to try and match up, or are they okay with what they have? They need to consolidate, like the players that they have, because it's not the the players that they have are not going to work, right? Like Bebe's not, Bebe won't work. Valanciunas isn't working, uh, and that's those two guys. And then Pascal, you know, he's okay, but he's a rookie. If I would love to have Pascal Siakam three years from now on this Raptors team, because I think he'd actually be really good. But you know, it's 2016 and 2000 <laughs> instead of 2019. I just think there's, you know, I just, I'm saying you know a lot. Uh, <laughs> I think that, Jay, I think the centers just don't fit. And I think the centers are old school centers that would probably be better suited at, like, maybe not as backups, but on a different team. A team, like, the Raptors don't use the centers enough or correctly to justify them being on this team right now. So is that your long roundabout way of saying they should go all in for Paul Millsap? No, because Paul Millsap is actually <laughs> <laughs> no, because Paul Millsap is like uh, I feel like he's taken a step back this year. But they definitely, I think they need to like trade the centers, and they they should trade JV. I and agree with like, trading this JV. Is, this is the second time I've said that on the podcast, and like the first time was kind of like a joke, but then. You know, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, they actually probably should do that. It depends what they're going to get, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, he still matches up well with other teams in the East, just not the Cavs. Or he that's, won't match that's up. That's the other issue. He won't match up well against the, the Warriors. Let's uh, let's settle down there. Eh? We got to get past the Cavs before we get to the Warriors in the postseason. Yeah, but if you get past the Cavs, you have to play the Warriors. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> At that point, I mean, you're there, so it's all hands on deck. But it's but for I'm the just, time being, I think they gotta focus on beating the Cavs. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, like it's the same issues, like that center position. What the Raptors have now, you know, it's a weakness for both of those teams, and those are the best teams in the league. So, yeah, and both those teams play centerless for the most part. Yeah. So what does that? <laughs> so what does? Oh, it, I agree. The, the what does that say about the Raptors? Towards nothing but offense and centerless basketball. Guys like JV are kind of slowly getting phased out of the game. Not, I shouldn't say phased out. They're getting, they're not playing as important of a role anymore. Yeah, they're just getting marginalized at this point. And yeah. you're seeing a lot of them, like, even Greg Monroe, who is, you know, objectively a good basketball player, 
but just past his... tense, past tense. <laughs> no, he's so good. It's just like his his play style does not fit the style of like every other team in the NBA right now, and it's just you know it's a it's almost a hindrance to his team to play him because you know you have to alter the the play style of the team, and it's not as efficient as other things, and it's just it's a mess now. So what do you do with JV then? Because I know a lot of the talk in the pre well after last season was that. You know, they were hopeful they could make him into uh, a stretch five almost where, I don't know if you recall, but they were saying, you know, JV's going to work on his three in the offseason. He's going to get that long, long range jumper going. We haven't seen any of that. So is he just, is he, is he is what he is? Like, or is there room for development in terms of developing a jump shot? He's been shooting like a 12 to 15 footer. And it's got to get further, man. I know. And, but it, even now, it's not even like a consistent shot. So, I remember even Blake Griffin, he had that 12 to 15 footer two years ago where he would shoot it with confidence, but it was like 45, 40, no, not even 45. It was probably like in the 40s. And then every year past then has progressed and, you know, it's like actually a, a jump shot now. But it's going to take that long for JV for him to even just get a good enough mid-ranger. So him stretching out to the three could take multiple years. And I don't think it's working right now. I don't think it's happening right now because... You know, if the mid range is just barely, just barely working today, what does that say about the three pointer tomorrow? I don't think it's happening. I agree. No, <laughs> no I agree. But, I, but, I agree. That's going to take time to develop. I just, I don't know what else they can do with him at the moment because they're not going to play at a half court slow pace regularly. This yeah. team has been getting a lot more buckets in transition this year than we've seen in the years past. Yeah, and they're realizing that. I love that they realize that they should be playing fast, and then now they're just getting up and down the court, and they're utilizing the athleticism that the team has. I don't know. Yeah, what... I know a lot of people were complaining about the defense earlier, at least a few games ago. You know, giving up a, over 100 points, I think, it was six straight games. But right. they were just outscoring teams. I think they realized, you know what, we can just outgun teams for the most part now. So let's go. Let's start playing fast. Let's just rack up the point total and see if anybody can keep up. And they were blowing teams away doing that. I like it because, you know, this is an offensive team. <laughs> it's a very, very, very offensively gifted team, so I like that they're, you know, trying to ram it down people's throats now. And I think, you know, their pace was, uh... Oh, man. Hold on a second. I need to look up the pace. You talk while I look up the pace. <laughs> I think their pace was a little faster than you thought. At least Lowry in the first half was really pushing it. He, he looked like he wanted to will the team in the entire first half. Yeah, you can and even... It, you could even see uh, Dwayne Casey, like on the side, just like you could see him waving the arm, you know, it's like almost like an air, like an aircraft uh, uh, dude who was trying to direct traffic. It's like go, 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 go. So I can see like it's a concern. They had like, to though. I mean, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was just say they have to now, especially when they bring on Corey Joseph to play with Lowry. They're smarter to play at a little bit of a faster pace. Yeah, so he's he's played a lot better recently, as well. Uh, Corey Joseph. Yeah, excellent. You know, he's he's hitting the three a little bit now, which I've been worried about because his above the break three has always been a difficulty. But yeah, you know, his drives to the his forays to the rim look better. Um, he's just like he's just finishing better around the rim, man. For some reason, his mid range jump shot, he's not even attempting that anymore. I think he's really looking to distribute right now as opposed to shooting because he was in that little bit, I don't want to say a slump, but he started slow. And he I think he just wanted to go back to actually methodically running the offense and contributing as opposed to trying to force his jump shot. So he's a really smart player. Um, he's 
pretty much a tactician out there whenever he's got the ball in his hands. So it makes sense to me why he's been distributing a bit more as opposed to looking to get a shot. Mm-hmm. The Raptors are its 22nd in pace, by the way. So they're still, like, <laughs> even though we're recognizing them, like, yo, they're playing so fast now, they're still one of the slowest teams in the league. I guess it's, you know, the past, like, five games versus the other 15. But they could play faster. It's been faster. a recent trend. Yeah, they could play faster. Hopefully they continue to play fast, man, because those DeRozan, like, DeRozan's uh, layups are, like, so much easier when he's, like, facing a defender that's backpedaling. Well, considering how acrobatic he is, too, in the air, good luck blocking that. At the very best, you're going to foul him. Yeah, exactly. And he's probably going to finish on that, too. Yeah. (laughs) And plus, he's, you know, his uh, free throw percentage is is pretty good. So, I don't know. It's just free money that they've just been leaving on the table for the past couple years, and they finally decided to snatch it up. That's what's leading them to uh, being second in the league in offensive rating, if you can believe it. I believe it. I mean, I haven't watched this team on a nightly basis. I'm not surprised. I know some people would be surprised. I'm, I'm not one bit shocked. I think people, I think people would be surprised because you know there's, you know, Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan are known in the NBA, especially after last year. But you know, if you, there's no like cataclysmic offensive weapon on this team. You know, this they have two guards that are really really good, and the rest of the team and the bench is really good. And that's enough to make them second in the league. They don't have any Kevin Durant's or LeBron James's on their team. You know what I mean? No, oh, but they've been extremely efficient this year as well. I mean, you look at DeRozan's hot start right there alone was basically having another big man shooting the ball because he was that efficient. He was more efficient than most big men. And so that really did a boost to their numbers to start the year. Right. And it's still carried over. Yeah. If you're going to go on like a raw database in terms of <laughs> metrics. Okay. What are you thinking of the transition defense for the Raptors right now? A work in progress. <laughs> I think the defense as a whole is a work in progress. I mean, we see it on a nightly basis. I don't care if they give 100 points almost every night anymore. It's just the little things. It's what we mentioned on the last podcast, too. Not bumping cutters. Um, open passing lanes. It's just a transition D. There's just little things that are continuously killing them. And it's leading to easy buckets the other way. So until they correct those issues, I think we're going to keep seeing them be a work in progress on defense. You know. Over the past two games, right, what I, like, really, really noticed is that Pascal Siakam is, like, a really bad <laughs> transitional defender, especially especially in this game where Kevin Love was just, like, I don't know how else to describe. He was just, like, wide open from three, like, eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner before Pascal shows up wide open from three. He's just, he will drop back into the paint. Right, but JV is also in the paint with him, and he just chills there. And then he's like, when he's the ball gets passed to Kevin Love, he just he just realizes that's my guy, right? And he <laughs> sprints out to him, and Kevin Love has been like abusing him basically with like the flyby, or he'll just shoot it because he, you know, he doesn't think Siakam's gonna get there in time. And it's it happened at, at least four times <laughs> in this game to varying results because you know you can't shoot a hundred percent from three point range, but Kevin Love is punishing him for that, and I think Siakam really needs to. This is like something he needs to work on in case he needs to point out to him. I think that'll come with experience because you're talking about a guy like Kevin Love. Even this Cavs roster as a whole, it's it's a lot of veterans, it's a lot of guys that have played together for a while now. 
they know where they're going to be on the court probably with their eyes closed. Whereas the Raptors, young guys like Siakam, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time, especially playing against the elite teams in the NBA like the Cavs. So I think that's really what it is, the experience on that end. At right. least in terms of transition view. Yeah, exactly. And especially, you know, in college, I can't imagine there's that many stretch fours. <laughs> because he's a rookie, right? So that is an adjustment for him. It's a little bit different, yeah. Especially when you're going against the cat man. I hate to keep saying it, but the Cavs are just a different beast. They're a different beast. LeBron called everybody out for losing three straight and, you know, the intensity. Take the Raptors serious, blah, blah, blah. And it really showed tonight. Yeah. The game was close at the final score. But it was never in doubt for the Cavs from about, I want to say, around the eight-minute mark in the fourth quarter. From there on mm-hmm. out, it was mm-hmm. never in doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, the Raptors are going to have to like <laughs> have to strike fear in the hearts eventually, man. There needs to be some sort of there needs to be some sort of like scare because like the Cavs are just like settling into these wins now. That 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 makes me a little bit sad, man. That also makes me nervous for the playoffs. I feel like the Cavs can do this to every single team in the Eastern Conference, though. It's not just the Raptors. They would literally do this to whoever they want in the East. And if anybody feels otherwise, pitch me a case. I'd love to hear it. Because <laughs> they'll do this to anybody they want in the East. So I don't think it's just, just the Raptors. What do you think needs to happen to like stop this LeBron or the, just like the Cavs beast? Not just specifically to the Raptors, but like any team right now in the East. In the East, personnel. Somebody's got. They, somebody's got to acquire like another big player. Mm-hmm. Whether it be like a Boston or Toronto or. Hmm. I feel like that's it right now. It's close. That's you can't it. just acquire two or three pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's got to be. You got to have those already and acquire one more to put you close to the Cavs. Okay. Sorry, Nick. Get real. <laughs> um. I, even the Bulls, like. They're stuck with Rondo and Wade for the next few years. No matter how good Jimmy Butler gets, those two are never going to be able to play at the same level as him. Right. They're getting older. Rondo's always been limited because of his shooting and his turnovers, and clearly his attitude that is never, ever going to change. But Wade's only getting older, so I don't know what they're going to do there either. Um, man, it's only Boston Toronto, I think, that can add that piece to compete with the Cavs. That is actually kind of depressing <laughs> to right? hear about. <laughs> I know people are going to tell me Washington, too, the whole John Washington. Wall Bradley deal. They're one away. I don't think so, dude. I've heard people propose that. But I think they would get waxed by the Cavs, too, even if they had a third guy. It's kind of amazing, because if you compare the Cavs to the Warriors, like, at this point at this point in the in the season, the Warriors are just, like, so far away, so far away from how, how we even perceive the Cavs in being. The Warriors are just, like, two or three times better it feels like and uh if you can't even if like teams in the east can't even surmise like to the to the ability of the the calves then how are we how is anybody really from the east going to challenge the warriors like at least in the west you have like you have the spurs and the clippers they don't necessarily they're not necessarily on the same level of the, as the warriors but they're at least you know competent <laughs> competent teams that are threats to to the Warriors at least for a game or two and I mean like even the Clippers look like they can they can glean a few games off of them yeah I think at the very least we can agree that there's four teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else in the NBA right now mm-hmm. Cavs Warriors Spurs Clippers 
Yeah, but the Spurs never seem to fade. But I just feel like those four <laughs> teams are much better than everybody else right now. The Spurs never seem to fade because like Greg Popovich is just I don't know, man. I need to somebody needs to get a uh, profile of him, and I'll read like ten thousand words on that. <laughs> Greatest coach of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, the Spurs. I mean, everybody wants to be the Lakers, but you really want to be the Spurs. <laughs> you you want to be the Spurs and be successful for twenty years without dropping off. Yeah, because not every team has the appeal of Los Angeles and the history of the Lakers. Like, if you're starting from scratch, you want to start like the Spurs. And the Spurs are, they play in San Antonio, man. (laughs) That is not a big city in the slightest. People could say they got lucky too a bit with the whole draft where uh, they kind of stumbled upon Tim Duncan after Dave Robinson got hurt the previous year. Mm -hmm. But took advantage of it from there. They never looked back. They literally never looked back. Yeah, that's so true. But like the Pelicans have Anthony Davis, what are they? What are they doing? They're an albatross. Right. They don't. They actually don't know what they're doing, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they originally they're like, okay, we have Anthony Davis and he's amazing right now. Let's get some like young veterans. So like people are like twenty six, twenty five, and we'll surround them and they're gonna be awesome. And then everybody gets injured, and then they sign Omar Ashik, who is actually. And I looked it up today. He is signed all the way until twenty nineteen. <laughs> He's an anchor there, dude. He's actually <laughs> ruining what they have. Oh, man. Oh, oh, You know what? We're on the West Coast, and we're talking about the Pelicans. You know what time it is? It's over. It's time to go. It's time to go. As always, guys, I'd like to thank you for listening to us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Tip of the Tower. Be sure to subscribe to us as well on SoundCloud and iTunes, at Tip of the Tower. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Chris O'Kranitz. If you want to reach out to Damar, you can reach out to Damar at Damar J. Grant. Guys, feel free to tweet at us during the games. Um, when they're not playing the Cavs, you know, it's fun to talk about. When they are playing the Cavs, it can be a bit disheartening, to say the least. <laughs> That's just probably me talking about but uh, it's still fun to watch. I, I, I'm done. I'm no. done. <laughs> All right. We love you Have guys. a good night, guys. <laughs> hey, don't let this Cavs loss get you down. The Raptors are still a good team. They're still a good team. They're a good team, but the East is over. Wow. The East is lost. We're playing for second now. Oh my goodness! My heart, my heart, and the heart of all Raptors fans just broke right there. I'll drop whatever amount of cash anyone wants to drop on that too. So, sorry guys. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Later.